Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 232. Got a really good show lined up for you today. In our warm-up segment, we've got our City of the Week. We're going to talk about Player of the Week nominations, the Equipment Tip of the Week, Did You Know, a really good listener question, and of course, Paige's Power Play. In our lead-off segment, we're going to talk about uh, some recruiting topics today. In lead-off, we're going to talk about September 1st and why that was an important day for uh, high school juniors and uh, kind of put that into perspective a little bit. In our cleanup topic, uh, one of our listeners has requested that we give some guidelines on ways to communicate with college coaches for younger players as they start to venture into the recruiting process. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And then our coaching tip of the week, uh, we had another really good suggestion uh, from Coach Carlin about another uh, pressure drill that they use in practice that I thought was a really good one that we're going to pass along uh, in coaching tip of the week. So before we do any of that, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus nine rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. Let's talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. We've had our first week in six weeks that we didn't add a new patron this week, so people, I'm just going to tell you, don't get... uh, complacent because we're still here Um, if you're in a position where you can help us if there's a way uh, for you to uh, be able to support us with either five ten or twenty dollars a month we need you to go to patreon.com if you see value in what we're doing it's uh, the only way that we're going to be able to keep the podcast going long long term now obviously we've been doing it for a while now but the uh, red ink has piled up to the point where we need to you know at least be breaking every month And uh, for that to happen, we're going to need to add some more patrons. We had a really good run of six weeks in a row where we added at least one or two patrons every week. Uh, We need to get back on a roll like that again. So if you see value in what we're doing, the reality of it is really pretty simple. The only way that this podcast and Coach Prep are going to stay alive is if uh, more of the people who take advantage of it and are are enjoying it um, can help support it. Yeah, no, we hope, Tori, that uh, everybody can find a way to jump on Patreon and and see what we can do. Please become a patron if you can. Again, so go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. It'll take you through the steps. And Coach Don and I really do appreciate the patrons we have. Uh, we really do appreciate the patrons that have come on board recently that see the uh, need to help support us. Uh, but we definitely want to keep that ball rolling because uh, it's been uh, going in the wrong direction for a very long time and we need to get the balance sheet at least back to breaking even every month. It, it wouldn't be happening without the patrons now. Right. I mean, we'd have to shut it down. Yeah. So thank you very much to all of you. And if you can, please become a patron. So down in our warm-up segment, let's talk about our uh, newest sponsor, Bittinger and Styles DDS from Webster, Massachusetts. Um, we really do appreciate their sponsorship. We're always looking for people that are interested in sponsoring the podcast. We have another uh, couple of segments that are available to be sponsored. Um, so if you have a business that could use a little bit of extra publicity or just you know, want to use that as a, a, nice as a reason way. to help support yep. us, the sponsorships are a great deal, and we really do appreciate Bittinger and Styles DDS, Webster Mass. If you're in that area, go ahead and check them out if you have uh, any needs at all. So Don, our city of the week this week is Pocatella, Idaho. Pocatella, Idaho. Now, Tori, I grew up just a little bit north of there in Alberta, Canada, but Pocatella is in the southeast corner of Idaho. I, I have to admit... Idaho is not a place I've been very many times. I've driven through Idaho. I was going to say, we haven't um, watched tons of softball But I have there. not ever yeah. been there to speak at an event or coach at a clinic or recruit a player. Um, I've seen some players on teams from Idaho at different places. Right. Um, but uh, obviously, it's exciting to us to see an area that we're not quite as familiar with, not as, uh, not as has not been on the travels, I guess, so much to say. Jumping in and listening. And, yeah. and getting the numbers up to the point where it jumps out on the uh, on the weekly report, and we see that that's an area that the numbers have definitely grown. And so as we do each week, we want you to get people who are not already listening on board. Find somebody on your team, parent, coach, teammate, 
that's not listening yet and convince them to give a shot to everything fast pitch and coach prep. Uh, I'm confident that if they listen, they're going to keep coming back. And there's tons of good information here. We really do appreciate um, all of you for taking time out of your busy week to listen. And I know, um, you know the numbers continue to go up, but we'd like to see them continue to go um, in a positive direction. Great for Pocatello. I love it. Yeah, so congratulations. You are the city of the week. Player of the week, Don, we finally have exhausted the backlog of nominations we had. You know, about uh, three months ago, I basically uh, shamed our listeners into not being s- involved s- sending enough. in yeah. some nominations. We had a really good run. Uh, we have uh, uh, been able to recognize a lot of different players from a lot of different parts of the country here over the last couple of months. And we want to be able to continue to do that. Now, I know for many of you, this is sort of the downtime of the season. You know, some of the uh, areas that are, um, you know, that play their softball, high school softball in the spring, the fall season for travel ball is just kind of a little bit of a... Not much uh, is happening. Uh, kind right. of a build-up program, you know, building up and uh, you know, getting your momentum up for the season. But here in Georgia, we've got our high school season going full tilt. And uh, there's several other states that are playing their high school seasons now. But whether it's a a player who's currently out there right now playing every weekend or somebody who's just accomplished something great in their softball life. We want the nominations to be sent in because we want to recognize kids. Obviously it's easy if they've hit their first ever home run or thrown a perfect game or, you know, something like that. Those are easy uh, uh, nominations to send in, but also we want to know about the kids that are working really hard, that are doing things in the community that are you know excelling in the classroom you know, the fast pitch prep player over the week is not meant to just be for us, you know, a certain kind of kid from a certain kind of team. You know, it's it's for all players from all levels, um, and we want to recognize everybody that's that's doing a good job. So uh, we need your nominations. So you send those to everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Either one of those email addresses will get it to us. Let's get another backlog going. So we've got a list of players. Um, I, I really like the weeks when Coach Don and I have to get together and kind of hash out who we're going to uh, recognize, yeah. who's going to be the next player of the week, because um, then that um, just allows us the opportunity to recognize people that are doing good work. And as I've said many, many times, one of the most fun things for me in my week is when I look up and see somebody walking through the door of our facility that's wearing their player of the week t-shirt. And now it's great for me that you know, you know many of the players that we've nominated are players that Coach Don or I work with, but also that same feeling is going to be true of players wherever they're going. And we want to be able to you know, let them have that uh, pride of, uh, of knowing that they've been recognized. So again, send your nominations to everything fastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. John, the equipment tip of the week, the Square Cuts training disc. Yeah, no, Tori, the, the discs have been great. This week for me, um, with the discs, we had uh, a new student that's actually a pitcher, and she came in, and, you know, of course, we worked with the discs in our training here, and the topic came up, you know, hey, there's another uh, product like that, and held it and felt it, and, you know, they've got good grip, so it's easy to maintain well, if you were actually to use it for a pitching product. And I don't do a whole lot with the pitching realm. You know, we, we hit every night here at the cages, and um, so we don't experiment too much with that. But uh, it's it's been exciting to see that people can use this uh, cross-training, throwing overhand, pitching, different things like that. Yeah, well, know we uh, designed it as a hitting tool. And uh, honestly, I was you know really excited when people started coming back with other ways to use it. My weekly update, I talked last week about... Uh, the very confident hitter who started off not believing that the discs were going to help her at all, that you know, had that eye-popping moment. Um, well, guess whose dad came in and bought two dozen discs this week? That's fantastic, yeah. And that's a very good player, somebody who's a really good hitter, who probably could have continued on her merry way with, you know... Had without, great success. And, had, and continued yeah. to be a yeah. very successful hitter, having no idea that she really had that untapped potential, that little bit of her game that was not getting used to its fullest effect. And to me, you know, for a player like that to be able to see the amazing value, the knowledge and the experience that it gave her that, you know, was undeniable. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If it doesn't fly straight, you didn't hit it right. You know, once they understand that it's going to tell you every time you're hitting it, whether you're hitting it correctly or not. And then when she saw that all of a sudden, you know, the balls that she was hitting in front toss felt stronger, felt more solid. She felt like she was hitting the ball cleaner. Um, just tells me that there's a direct connection. So the square cuts training discs are a must-have. 
for all players. You know, it's something you should have in your uh, collection of stuff that you're going to be using when you're training. And for all teams, it's something that should be in the uh, rotation of drills that you're doing when you're getting together for practice. You know, they're great into a bonnet. They're great out on the field. Uh, they're great in a batting cage. There's you know a lot of ways you can use them and definitely get a lot of uh, information and, and feedback. And uh, so go to the fastpitchprep.com website, click on the order button. It's going to take you through the steps and we'll get them sent out to you right away. I was going to say, if you don't, you might be missing out on something, right? Yeah. Only yep. $49.95 a dozen. So it's a very affordable training tool. Can't go um, wrong. And they hold up really, really well. The only thing that we uh, probably didn't plan very well is that they're too durable. We probably needed them to wear out a little bit faster so people would have to come back and get a second set or a third set more often. Say so we'll deal with that part. That's all right. Right. So Don, did you know we had another uh, coaching legend retire this week, Melinda Fisher, who's been the head coach at Illinois State for a very long time, retired. Wow. It's just, it's a little bit heartbreaking to me to see so many coaches that, that I've seen and worked stepping with and no stepping away from coaching. Melinda Fisher is, in my opinion, the best softball coach in America that most people don't know who she is. Sure. You know, she's uh, spent her entire career at Illinois State. They've had, you know, some really successful seasons, some really successful years, but it's not one of those programs that's on ESPN every year. They're not going to the College World right, Series. Right. She's just an amazing coach who's developed a great program, great kids, as a lot of her former players are now coaches. But one of the things that I always was uh, really impressed by was her commitment to the game and her willingness to give of herself and of her time uh, to help the game grow. When we would be doing NFCA stuff, convention, different committees, different uh, things that were that needed to get done. She could be involved. She was yeah. always there, always involved. She was that person scurrying around at the convention, making sure stuff was getting done. You know, she was taking on all these extra responsibilities. And for a lot of people, like when you go to the NFCA convention, that's like a you know, three or four days of fun in the sun, you know, do some golfing, you know, hang out with your friends have an adult beverage or two and, and just kind of kick back. Um, and I was always just impressed that Melinda was you know just in there, in the trenches, doing whatever needed to get done, and obviously had a great career at uh, Illinois State. So that's uh, uh, another coaching legend in my mind that's uh, stepping away from the game and somebody that's going to really be missed, I believe, because of her passion and, and willingness to do whatever it took to help softball continue to grow. Well, Tori, like anybody that steps away too, hopefully she can stay involved in some capacity and... To be there that long for an entire career, obviously she must have done a wonderful job yeah. and had a, a big influence and impact in a lot of kids' lives. So yeah. that's great. So yeah. uh, uh, did you know Melinda Fisher retired from Illinois State? So our listener question, Don, comes to us this week about lunging at the plate. Hitters that are kind of developing that as a as a habit and solutions, things that we can do to try to help with that. So in my mind, when I think of lunging, I think of somebody who's Body weight is going too far forward, probably too far forward, out of control, whether it's past the front foot or falling in towards home plate, either or, I think we could consider lunging. It's one of those things that uh, that we'll see periodically, even some very good hitters all of a sudden will pick up some idiosyncrasies, some flaws in their, in their hitting. And it's always a challenge to try to figure out wh where did it come from, what caused it, and how do we solve it? Yeah, no, that's, that's one of those deals where, you know, often... When we've got hitters that are doing that, it could be from many different things. It could be from pitch speed change, and depends on the age. Right. Um, but pitch speed changing and and trying to find a balance between power and control. And you know, obviously, if we get all that momentum going forward, we can be strong and powerful. But there comes a point where it disturbs uh, our posture, or it, it creates a weakness in in other parts of our game uh, there at the plate. So. It's one of those balance back and forth things um, to try and, you know, make sure that they're aware of it to begin with. You know, sometimes they think they're just, you know, getting after it and they're they're putting everything into it. But um, I think once we do start leaning, once uh, the change of pitch speed uh, is enough to really throw us out of sync, then, you know, then we're in real deep trouble in terms of our performance and power. And it works against us more than it helps us. So. Right. You know, that's one of those things uh, that drills or it happens over time really slow. Like you said, even really good hitters can fall into that yeah. um, category for, for a little while. But drills where we're, you know, doing like a one, two, three drill where we stride and we wait and we keep balance and we rotate our lower half, we wait and then we fire our hands and we wait to try and, I guess, get everything back in sync. Um, you know, a show bunt hit away is something that we do a lot that kind of, 
um, keeps posture and keeps us centered and, and kind of keeps us away from that and then blend it back into a regular cut. But it's definitely something that everybody's going to work through at some point or another. Right. Well, I think you touched on a bunch of really key things. And I think some of it is and can be purely mechanical that, uh, you know, that something gets uh, a little bit out of, out of whack for a hitter. And drills are always a great way to reinforce what we're trying to do for sure uh, on a mechanical standpoint. So, you know, your one, two, three drill, um, you know, some of the PVC stuff where you're, you know, working on, you know, rotating your body and staying balanced and getting used to, you know, the different movements that are, you know, going to make up the, the swing can also be very useful. But I think the one thing that you said that really hits the, the nail more, more on the head than anything else is awareness, the changes of speed, the changing of timing is something that I think is almost always the root cause of most problems. Yes, there are some hitters who when something goes wrong, it is purely mechanical. But my experience is when mechanics are the real problem, it's usually with very young hitters, very inexperienced hitters that just don't have the repetitions yet, the, the consistency yet to count on their mechanics being there all the time. And so, so I think the drill part of it is an is a important thing to make sure that we're getting that repetition and the consistency in the swing. But most of the time, I think it's a timing component, whether it's the changing of speeds and changing of, uh, of velocity that you talked about, or whether it's kids that just kind of get distracted, get confused, you know, lose their focus on getting ready to hit the right way, I think is an even bigger part of the problem. Yeah, no, weight transfer, again, is wonderful for power and performance and stuff like that. But when it does get out of sync, Exactly like you're saying, when it gets out of sync and timing, which right. is what pitchers are trying to do to us, uh, gets thrown out, then uh, then there's issues for right. sure. Well, I think one of the things that, that I spend a lot of time with hitters trying to get them to understand is, is their job as a hitter is really to become so consistent in what they're doing that they can count on them to do what they're supposed to do. You know, that they know for sure when they step up to the plate that they have confidence in their mechanics. So they're not up there thinking about, I need to do this with my elbow or this with my knee or this with my foot or this with my wrist or whatever it is. And so that's the first part of it. And then the second part of it is really focusing on a routine that helps them understand how to get ready well so that their body can do what they've trained it to do. And you know, we talk about this, you know, it seems like every other week, every third week or so, that timing is almost always the the absolute cause of what makes a swing look bad. If my timing's off, I don't care how hard I've worked on it, it's never going to it's going to lead to something weird happening, something that doesn't look right. The appearance of lunging can just be purely that my timing's gotten off for whatever reason. Yeah, no, and as we're talking about it, Tori, I'm thinking about things that we might say in our sessions or lessons, but um, as a hitter, we want to try and keep our body in, in a place where, where we feel strong. And if we had a punching bag that we put out in front of us and said, hey, we're, you get some type of prize if you hit it really hard, right. you wouldn't lunge out and then swing you know, off of your front foot. You would stay balanced. You'd stay centered and try and give it your best cut. And that's one of the things, too, that I think is so confusing for hitters because you know, in, in, the way I think about hitting is for just a split second when you're, you know, when that bat and ball are coming together. Ideally, we want 100% of our energy moving into the ball, which means that for just a split second while I'm hitting, I'm probably not really in control. I'm not really balanced because, you know, I'm driving, you know, into that front foot, I'm driving into my body, my my rotation and my hip drive and everything is so strong that it feels almost like you said that that knockout punch like I'm you know in the karate analogy I'm throwing that punch all the way through the board to make sure that I break it. You know I think sometimes hitters just you know they get a little bit confused and we start talking about you know you know try to be more explosive, drive your hips more aggressively and sometimes they turn that into this feeling of like a swan dive out over their front foot instead of driving their energy and power into the front foot and driving it into that you know that base foot so that they've got uh, a chance to really turn that power into something. So lunging is definitely a problem. Um, and again, coming back to the best answer I can give you to this question is keep doing the drills to make sure that the mechanics and the physical awareness stays in a good place. Intact. But let's also make sure that we're checking out the timing component of it, making sure that we're getting ready well, that the hitters have their mind right, that they're not at the very last second deciding to swing and then trying to come up with some sort of make it up on the fly swing. Because I think that's going to look pretty weird. And that might be where we're seeing some of these different challenges. 
again, it's going to happen to all of us at some point, and hopefully it's just for a pitch or two, but if it's something that sticks around, then it's time to dig in and try and figure out how we can stay where we're strong. Right. Yep. Yeah, and that idea of any power that we don't drive into the ball is wasted. If we're not driving, if we're not powerful, uh, we're going to regret that. But if we confuse power with loss of control or if we are giving up the ability to still feel like I'm in control of what my body's doing, I think we're kind of on that, that razor's edge of it, it foolish or aggressive. And every once in a while, I think kids get a little foolish. And like what you said, Tori, is that uh, there's a balance right between you know being out of control and being just perfect in power. Right. So, well, yeah. and, and I, I use this analogy all the time, Don. I think you'll get a chuckle out of it. When you watch major league hitters play, when you watch the very best hitters, no sexism involved. The same is true when you watch the very best softball hitters too. Yeah, but yeah. baseball is a, you know, I think, a, a something that everybody can to connect see all to. The time. When you watch Major League Baseball, at least once in every game, one of these guys that's making twenty-five, thirty, forty, fifty million dollars a year is going to just completely come apart. They're like they spin crazy, themselves into the ground. The bat flies swing. out of their hands. Yeah. Their you know their helmet flies off. It's like their shoes fly off. They look like Charlie Brown. In the cartoon with, you know, just like this whirl of, of movement and, and stuff's flying in a million directions. The reason that happens is because they spend their whole life right on that edge of control. But the reason they're so good is they spend their whole life on the edge of that control. And, and they're good at controlling it just enough that they can be on the verge of humiliating themselves. And while they're there, hit the ball 450 feet. Right. And that's kind of the same thing we want our softball hitters to kind of get comfortable with. Right on that edge is where the fun is. You know, if you're a racing fan, the guy who wins the Daytona 500 almost crashes every lap. Right. I mean, you know, right on the edge, but he wins the race. Now, other guys crash because they can't control it as well. Same thing, you know, for our our hitters. So um, hopefully that'll help. But, you know, again, timing is always going to be something I'm going to think of first when we start to see mechanical problems. And one other thing, Tori, on that note, because I think that really hits home, if you don't ever practice that way, you can't learn how to control it that way. Right. So you've got to get after it. And this pra- ended up being a good discussion. Right. So it ends up that you have to practice that way so that you can control it in the game. Right. And otherwise, why would you be able to if all of a sudden you turn the dial up to 100% right. and you haven't been working on that control? And so. that, you, you might have just answered this question right there because you know, one of the things that I see constantly is kids who want to practice hitting at 75% and then turn it up to 100% on game day. And they spend an awful lot of time practicing at three quarters or 80%. And then they're shocked that what they're trying to do at 100% on game day feels different or they're not as good at it. And so, you know, it might even be something as simple as making sure that the practice time and the, the cage time is as close to that maximum effort as possible so that we're really comparing apples to apples again, too. So cool. All right. Well, that was a really fun listener question. If you want to lead Coach Don and I on other fun and interesting discussions, you got to make sure you send us those listener questions. So the same email addresses that we use uh, for the Player of the Week nominations, either everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. Either one of those will work. Um, We love talking about stuff that you're interested in. This week we had a whole bunch of contributions from listeners, gave us some really good topics and things to talk about. So if you have questions... Uh, make sure you send them to us and we'll uh, add them to the list of things to talk about in coming episodes. So Don, that's going to take us to this week's edition of Paige's Power Play. Hey there, it is Paige. Um, I'm super excited to share a little bit more about this topic today. So there is no secret that today's youth has been really feeling the pressure of comparison. The willingness to keep going has come with many challenges and the occasional thoughts of doubt and fear. And we talk about doubt and fear all the time on here, right? It's like that fear of failure, fear of making mistakes, doubt that they can do what your daughter can do what she wants to do when the pressure is on and things like that. So maybe occasional is an understatement, but let me ask you this. Do you ever feel like your daughter is struggling with doubting herself? Or maybe you wonder if she's living in fear of making mistakes rather than just going for it or Are you maybe concerned if she's going to bounce back from failures on and off the field? Do you feel helpless watching her being hesitant instead of playing with confidence? I know a lot of the parents that I get to talk to and work with, they're like, I just don't know what else to do. do. She doesn't hear me. Like she doesn't want to listen to me or I don't, I feel like I'm watching her from the stands and, or the bleachers or my, you know, my chair or whatever it might be. And 
I can just tell that she is going to be hesitant rather than being that, having that confidence, feeling that confidence. So if you're shaking your head to one of these questions or you're shaking your head to all of them, let me help you. I have been in your shoes and more importantly, I've walked in your daughter's the pressure is real and without the proper tools and resources along with the the needed support, I don't know what I would have been able. I don't know if I would have ever been able to succeed as I did in my athletic career without these types of resources and really working on my mindset and even just beyond my softball career, just as a, a, a woman, a female, a successful woman in this life. Um, so Join me on Sunday, September 11th at 5 p.m. Arizona time and learn a few things that may change your daughter's athletic career. You can go to the link on my website. Um, it's www.pagetalons.com and then it's a backslash raising athletes and sign up for this workshop. It's free. Um, if you have questions, send me a message. But it is going to be again Sunday, September 11th. It's for parents. It's called Raising a Confident Athlete Proven Strategies to Help Your Daughter. Um, I'm going to be sharing bonuses and opportunities for your daughter if you join live. So I can't wait to see you there. Um, let me know if you have any questions about it. Don Page is doing great work. I hope our listeners are taking advantage of it. Again, it's Page Tons, T O N Z dot com. So our leadoff topic, Don, is sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite Sporting Goods is located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is 678-377-0270. It's also Elite Sports Orders at Yahoo.com. So either that phone number or email address, you can get in touch with them. Order whatever you need, bats, balls, gloves, equipment, uniforms, spirit wear. Uh, the folks at Elite have been doing it for a long time. They're really good at it. They're happy to ship anywhere in the country. So we'll reach out to them if you need anything at all. I was going to say, they do that all the time. They'll make it easy for you. I mean, one of the things that uh, came out of this whole lockdown pandemic thing is a lot of us have gotten used to the fact that stuff can get shipped right to my house. I sure. don't necessarily need to go to the store anymore. Uh, don't be afraid to Doesn't use that matter same where you're at. Yeah with, yeah, with Elite, they can send it right to you. So, Don, leadoff topic was, again, sent to us as a topic uh, from... One of our listeners, Flo, wanted us to talk about September 1st and why that's so important. And well, if anybody isn't aware of it, September 1st is the first day now that Division I softball coaches can contact prospective players in that graduating class, talk to them about recruiting. Now, for some of those kids, that first phone call also includes an offer of a scholarship and you know, a, lot of a, a lot of exciting yeah. stuff going on. For others, it's just that first phone call, first introduction, you know, let's get the process moving. And for other kids, it's, you know, staring at your phone, wondering why it's not ringing. It isn't quite as fun or as exciting as the first couple of options. But, but, so, that, but that doesn't mean that things aren't good. And, right. Yeah. So, but here's what uh, I wanted us to kind of jump into, because I think one of the things that's unfortunate now is that for a lot of our younger players, they think that if it doesn't happen right away, that it's never going to happen. Right. And I saw several uh, social media posts this week from college coaches saying, you know, hey, just because you didn't get the phone call the first day, just because your phone didn't ring at 12.01 a.m. doesn't mean that it's not going to ring or that you're not going to have an opportunity to still play in college. And so I think that's the first thing we need to talk about is if you didn't get that phone call, if you if it hasn't started to happen yet, you haven't done anything wrong or yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not a failure you have not failed you have not messed up and there's a lots of it just means that it could happen from then on right and yeah. the reality of it is there's over 1600 different programs in the united states to play college softball from junior college all the way up to the highest level of division one and everybody's timeline is a little bit different everybody recruits a little bit differently um and for different players at different levels of their development, different you know, places in their development, you know, the timeline for all of them is going to be a little bit different. You know, certainly there are some players that are the you know, very top of the pyramid kids. You know, they're the top 20, 30, 40 players in the country. For them, you know, the idea that uh, their phone is going to ring at the very first opportunity is pretty safe. You know, it's a pretty safe bet. And for them, they might have had, you know, 10 or 15 calls that you know in that first hour after the 1201 timeline yeah the, the starting bell rang you know so for those kids it's one different thing but there are an awful lot of players that are still developing still working uh, maybe haven't quite you know had the same opportunities to been recruited yet um, maybe haven't been to the same showcases maybe haven't played on the same kinds of teams and for all of them 
you know, somewhere in those 1,600 different programs is probably an opportunity um, that maybe just hasn't had a chance to flesh itself out yet. I was going to say, and there's so much uh, progression and, and growth in those those next two years before college. And if you're on a good path and working hard, you can still in, increase your skills dramatically, you know, in, in that time. But that, that data is just, you know, something that they have to create and a, a timeline that they have to set so that everybody can stick together and, right. and know what to expect. Yeah, well, and it was the uh, solution, the, I guess the compromise that was created to solve the dilemma of the, the early, early recruiting. Not that long ago, college coaches, my last year of, of coaching, we were out there watching 13-year-olds play, trying to trying decide, to figure it out. And, and, yeah. and offering scholarships to 13- and 14-year-olds because the competitive nature of it had driven it to the point where you had to try to anticipate. That was bad for everybody. It was, a, it was just it was crazy. And so now that with the new deadlines, um, everything has changed again. So now for a lot of college programs, you know, they're not watching very many younger players and definitely not watching them early on because there's no pressure on them to watch them when they're sixth and seventh graders anymore because they're going to get a chance to watch them when they're ninth and 10th and 11th graders. I was going to say for the listeners too, Tori, it used to be July 1st of their senior year, leading right. into their senior year, which seemed to be too late. Yeah. And that's why everybody started trying to sneak around and try and do the early stuff. Right. And that just grew into way too early. And now, like you said, a compromise is now September 1. Right. And so I think it's a good balance uh, from for all parties involved. But I think, you know, whatever that first day was that coaches could talk to players, somebody's always going to be happy and somebody's always going to be disappointed. And if we could go back, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago and, and actually get an honest reaction, an honest uh, reporting from players and families that went through the recruiting process, what we would find out is that you know a handful of the kids who got recruited at, at the earliest possible opportunity found their perfect school right away, went to that school, and did great. I right. think the vast majority of kids didn't end up going to their first school, didn't end up going to that dream school, ended up you know you know working the process, finding a school that fit their needs and fit their their wishes on down the line and ultimately ended up way happier and way more successful than some of the kids that, you know, their phone rang the very first chance that it could. Having and, waited, yeah. And I would love to be able to do the same thing now, let's say in five or six years. So after the, the kids that got their first phone call on September 1st, let's say seven years from now, when they're done with their college career, to pull all of them and find out, when did you get your first contact? Did you choose that school? Was that perfect? Was that yeah. the right fit? You know, and, and now obviously with the transfers and, and everything else, you know, did you stay? I mean, all, all kinds of things that could put this whole thing into a little bit better perspective so that people would, you know, not be quite so quick to, to be upset or to be, be nervous about it. And so one little sidebar that I would recommend, you know, Coach Don and I created a recruiting video series a couple of years ago. Now, some of the dates in there and some of the information is a little bit dated, but a lot of the information in there is still really applicable the whole, for the whole process, the process of getting recruited, how to get recruited, you know, things to look for when you're a player and a parent you know, trying to decide what the right school is. All that stuff, I think, still fits really well for anybody that's that's trying to figure this out. And one of the things that you would you know see in those videos, it's kind of the same message that we're sending today. This is a marathon, not a sprint. It's a long haul to do the very best you can to find the right school that's going to be a great fit for you for softball, academics, social life, and the rest of your life. Don't get too discouraged if it isn't happening as quickly as you want it to. And the most important thing is to just keep working hard. You know, uh, I saw somebody posted a, you know, trying to be very satirical look at this saying, well, if your phone didn't ring, you should just quit because you have no future. You know, of course they were joking, but it kind of hit me a little bit because some kid might read that and not see the satire in it. They might not see the joke in it. Right. So I started to grip my teeth and I'm like, wait a minute, they can do it. Yeah. And the reality is that, you know, the, there's many doors yet to be open. So don't panic. You know, September 1st came, it went. So what? You know, September yep. 2nd, September 3rd, December 1st, February 3rd. This I mean, is, there's lots of days is, out there that, that it could happen for This you. is of our junior year. So we still got a lot of time. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, Don, I just started posting uh, the uh, 15th commandment on the Fast Pitch Prep website. You know, for anybody that's followed us for a while, you know, I've done the 14 commandments of things that players and parents really need to pay attention to, to increase their chances of getting recruited. 
and the first 14 are all things you know about look like a ball player and you know you know communicate and you know hustle and you know different things that are are kind of no-brainers the 15th is about how the transfer portal is changing recruiting forever and i think it's yet to be determined how much impact impact this is all going to have but I think it's going to have a gigantic impact in the long run because I think what we're going to see more and more now is that the typical, what we've always thought about recruiting and getting recruited as a high school-aged player is changing right before our eyes. Undoubtedly, this system now in place where the landscape is going to be changing, and it's going to be changing for a while while everybody figures it out, but when you're you know, a school like an Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, you know, UCLA, those kinds of schools that can get transfer all Americans from other schools. What's the logic for them in recruiting high school kids? And what's the logic for you as a high school kid to want to go to a school that, you know, in you know, the snap of a finger can recruit a 21 year old college kid yeah, who's proven to be great. You're now competing against all the kids that are already there. Right. So now you're, when you're getting recruited, you're competing with all the other people that are recruiting. You're competing with all the other players that are going to be on the team that you're getting recruited to when you get there. And you're competing with every other kid that's playing college softball in the United <laughs> States of America right now. How does, how does that work? And, and I think that might be the most important part of this, this uh, little discussion is that what we might have been in a panic about a couple of years ago, for those of you that the phone's not ringing just yet, might work out to be the best thing possible because it's giving you more time and space to figure out what's the best answer. And it's giving some of those schools, you know, that uh, are probably a more realistic and better fit, fit, a chance to sort through the process and find you. So, so don't panic, keep working hard, you know, keep chasing the dream, but also keep your eyes and ears open because as, as this whole thing unfolds in this next couple of years, recruiting is going to change drastically. Well, and Tori, like you, like you just said in that whole segment right there, that, you know, the good fit might not know that they have a need yet because some of their players might not have been pulled away from them. Right. And that becomes the perfect fit, which will be kind of a last minute thing on those coaches. Yeah. And and that's, I think, why this whole thing is, is such a moving target. The school that might be the perfect school for you might not even know they need you for another 18 months. Right. And they might not know they need you till to May the- after your senior year. You might be walking across the stage to get your diploma one minute and then getting back to the phone and see that you've got three phone calls from three different schools that are now desperately want you to come. Because they're all Americans just got pulled. Right, because they just lost three great players to three other programs. You know, the whole time frame, timeline thing is going to be this moving target for a while. I don't think it's going to get any less stressful or, or, or easier for everybody involved, at least for a while. But so the, the, the moral to the story is keep working hard, keep working your process, keep following up with schools, but pay attention to what's going on, be realistic, you know, set reasonable targets, reasonable goals, and, and, and just keep working at it. No, we'll probably talk about this a bunch, but uh, yeah, exciting stuff. That's good info, Tori. Yeah. All right. So uh, our cleanup topic, Don, is brought to us by Pinnacle Power Butter. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And Tori, our listeners can get their Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com and they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us products are great we've used them and tried them at home the whole family loves it all right don so one of our listeners jason wanted us to talk a little bit today another recruiting topic about how to communicate effectively with college coaches and especially i think early in the process how to get their attention you know how to make sure that uh, what you're doing as a as a prospective recruit is going to be effective well tori you mentioned earlier too that uh, we've got some videos some a series of videos on recruiting that I think can just be super valuable for anyone that wants to be on that track. And it's just guidelines, things to do, not to do, um, how to reach out and, uh, you know, make sure that you don't get lost in the crack. You know, we talk so much about, uh, you know, sending emails and 
forwarding schedules to tournaments and doing things, uh, sending uh, video clips and things about your training, about your skills to make sure that they are aware that you're out there and that you have an interest in them is super important because it's a lot easier to get recruited to a school when they know that you're excited about them because that means that, hey, we're, we're kind of halfway there. Right. When, when you already want to be at their school, they want to make sure that you either can or can't fit into their program. But the communication thing is huge. Yeah. Well, the uh, segment of the videos that we talk about how to get recruited, and it you know, deals specifically with how to write a good email and the things that you need to include, ways to make sure that you're including the right information, how to include a videotape, why video clips are important. You know, different you know pieces of information, different nuggets that are really important. The, the oops is to stay away right, from. The, the things not to do. There's a couple of things that I think are important for making that first initial impression. Number one is that a player sending an email to a college coach has to have done enough research, enough homework to be actually identifying and communicating with that coach that they're truly interested in their program. If it's some sort of a generic dear coach email, just trying to, you know, get information or kind of going fishing for a you know a wide variety of, of programs, those don't get much attention. But a very specific, very personal email, I think, always gets noticed. Dear Coach Don, you know, I saw that your team finished first in the conference last year. You must be super excited. Been a fan of, you know, School X for, you know, a long time now. You know, I had a chance to get to know a couple of the players that played for you in the past. They're really, you know, amazing people. I want to study you know, like chemical engineering, and and, uh, and I yeah. noticed that you know you guys have a really good chemical engineering program. Planning on coming to your camp in June. That kind of email is going to really it's like that they really did their homework, right? And that that's I they think took the some time. Thing. Yeah, that it's personalized, and, and obviously just some common sense things. Making sure that you know, spell the names right. You know that when you talk about the school, you know that 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 you spell the university's name right. That if it's Oklahoma University, you don't say University of Oklahoma. If I received that one, Tori, I would know that that wasn't the same email that got forwarded to right. you know, 25 other schools. And, and I crack up in the video series because when I was coaching at Tennessee Tech, I would at least once a week get an email that was meant for Tennessee State. And the way it worked in the uh, you know, old days of looking in the directory of schools, you know, alphabetically, we were one you know, right next to the other. So if you were going through the book trying to figure out schools to send your video to, you, know, you could do Tennessee Tech, Tennessee State very, very quickly. And Tennessee Wesleyan was not too far down you know, the list after us. And University of Tennessee was in there somewhere too. Being the smart aleck that I am, when I would get an email that would say something like, Dear Coach Dabney, I'm really interested in Tennessee Tech. I would always respond back with, well, I'd be happy to send this to, you know, forward this to Coach Dabney, but you know, he's the you know, softball coach at Tennessee State. Might be a little different. Yeah. And every once in a while, I'd get an email back like, oh, coach, I'm so sorry. And I understand I you know, the whole you know, my, the, yeah. the cut and paste and trying to send out a whole bunch of emails. But nothing's going to make a, a faster bad impression than you know sending a generic email that's not even addressed correctly, that's you know very nondescript, that doesn't really say anything at all. Those are just a waste of everybody's time. Um, so target schools that you know you're really interested in. Make sure you send an email that's specific to them. The other thing I'll say is that you should have skills clips, video clips attached to every email you send, and every email you send should identify what gra graduating class you're in. In that subject line, when you're looking at an email from a college coach's perspective, if I know right now, hey, I'm really working hard on the 2024 class, and I get an email from a kid that's you know, graduating in 2026, I'm going to look at it eventually, but it might not be the number one priority. And I don't want to you know, expect that college coach to remember who I am. I don't want to expect that college coach to take the time to go looking for extra information to clarify the picture. I need to make sure that everything I send is crystal clear, to the point, personal, and, and doesn't allow for any doubt or, or hesitation. No, I think all that stuff, again, is going to be spelled out really well in the, in the recruiting videos. Again, that's one of those things you don't want to oops on, right? right? We want to yeah. do it right because a lot of times it's just first time through. Stan uh, did make a point. We want to make sure that we share. The videos are right there free to watch. Uh, it, there's no uh, user's fee or anything anymore. You don't have to subscribe to anything. Um, you just click on the videos and you can watch them. You know, Many years ago, they were behind the paywall, but now it's, uh, it's free content for anybody that wants to look at it. So make sure you go to the fastpitchprep.com website. It's in the YouTube channel. 
And in the YouTube channel is also hundreds of videos and other stuff that you might be interested in. But from a recruiting standpoint, it's going to answer an awful lot of questions that you might have. And I think it's just really valuable information. But the most important thing when it comes to communicating with college coaches is we have to understand that they're very busy people and we have to make their life as easy as we possibly can. So, you know, get to the point, include the information, quick little skills video or a couple of highlight clips um, that uh, show what you're capable of doing and just get that out to them and, and, and let them have an opportunity to get to know as much about you as they can as quickly as you can. No, I think that would be uh, exciting to be a part of for sure. If yeah. uh, you know, if we can help on any of that, I'm really proud of the videos. I thought we did a really yeah. good job of those. I wish that some of the da- dates and deadlines hadn't changed so that they were still as a hundred percent accurate. Plug in the current one, right? Yeah, yeah. But but the the real core of the information in those videos is still rock solid. It applies just as much today as it did five years ago. Um, and so we want to make sure that you, know, you take advantage of it. It's a lot of players like within a team that are at that age now, it's real easy to just have them all take, you know, 30 minutes and, you know, look at a video and, and have an idea of what's going on. Yeah. And then answer any questions that might be, you know, that might come along. Yep. All right. So Jason, thank you very much for asking us uh, to talk about that. Hopefully that's helpful. Again, if you have suggestions, make sure you reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. So our coaching tip of the week, Don, comes to us from Coach AC again. Um, he sent us a really good drill a couple weeks ago about trying to distract your pitchers. So here's another one that uh, he uses with his team that I thought was a really good one. Now in their program, they emphasize bunting tremendously. Yep. And so they do a high pressure bunting drill where basically what happens is you have a bunter at the plate and the whole rest of the team is like lined up down a baseline. And basically the, the bunter has to get the bunt down the teammates have to have to run, run a sprint or run go. a ladder or you know, whatever the requirement <laughs> is if the bunt isn't successful. And now they do one where they'll have the batter up at the plate with two strikes and it might be a squeeze bunt situation, it might be a sacrifice bunt situation, but whatever it is that that bunt's got to get bunted in fair territory. Now, if the bunter is successful, there's no running. If the bunter is not successful, Everybody else runs, and the bunter has to stand there and watch their teammates run because they were unable to to execute the bunt. I li- I kind of like that. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing even if we had that line, if a bunt doesn't get down, then the person at the front of the line has to take a lap or do a sprint, and if the bunt does get down, the person at the front of the line gets to go to the back of the line. Maybe. Yeah. Well, no, there's lots of ways you could you yeah. could spice it up too. But I thought the the thing that I liked about it was that it. Definitely puts pressure, adds a competitive nature to it. You know, I think, uh, as he mentions in his email, you have to be careful because if you have a, a player that's really struggling to bunt, and let's say you know everybody, you know, when you're up at the plate, you get five pitches. You got to get five for five, or else we run. Yeah. If it's your third pitch, and I've run three times already. Yep. It can start to get a little discouraging or a little bit frustrating, but I think it's also a chance for the rest of the team to then work on their, you know, reinforcement and and you know trying to be positive and trying to pick a teammate up because I think, you know, that it's just another, you know, situation where we can create some some dynamics for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 create something that simulates some of what could be happening in a game. If you're out there on on defense and your pitcher is really struggling and she's you know, walked the first two batters of the inning and it's ball three to the third, are you going to be the one that's still pulling for her and, and you know, believing in her it. and believing yep. her? Or are you going to yep. be the one that's really, like, oh, God, here we go again, <laughs> right? Uh, but I really liked that idea. And, uh, and again, depending upon the uh, skill of the hitter uh, that you're working with, you know, you could use live pitching, you could use coaches doing front toss, you could use a pitching machine. And again, depending it could upon be their three out of five have to get down before everybody runs, or right? It could be, yeah, yeah. And, and again, depending upon the skill level, if your kids are just you know doing this the first time, um, and they're not great bunters, instead of they run every time, like you said, Don, it might be if if you don't get three out of five, everybody runs. If you don't get two out of five, and boy, does the focus really get intensified there, right? Right, you know, and and you can even use a pitching machine too if it's something that you want to make sure that we're accurately throwing strikes. So. But I, I loved this idea. I think one of the things that we've talked about you know, more times than I can remember is how in the quote-unquote modern game of softball, bunting has become less and less important. But the thing that I've always found ironic about it, well, one, because I was not a... Way before the game got so modern, I was not a big believer in bunting. And I would always be arguing with people about why didn't you bunt, why didn't you bunt. 
we had spent so much time on hitting. I just really always wanted to have that swing more we're, than we're I better, wanted. Uh, we're better at that. Right. Yeah. Then I wanted to sacrifice. Nothing's more fun than having a team be able to put tons of pressure on the opponent. And it's really kind of a crazy thing, I think, because the bunting has become less prevalent that a lot of teams aren't very good at defending it. So if you've got a good bunting That's team, you can half, put a lot yeah. of pressure on a team that might not be ready for it because they haven't worked on it as much because their team offensively doesn't believe in bunting, so they don't spend much time working on it defensively. Well, do you think we'll ever move the pitching rubber back in to help the pitchers dominate? No. Never go in or out? We're done? No. Well... Or fences further back? or If the pitching mound moves, it will be in addition to no more illegal pitching rules. Right. If it moves, it'll move back, sort of like the men's game. And cut them and loose. And we'll be able to, you know, hop, skip, and a jump three times before we, you know, actually deliver the pitch and things like that. So, um, so I think that would be the next big change. Interesting. So, so Don, uh, that's going to wrap up episode number 232. As always, please make sure you support our sponsors, the Anderson Bad Company, Bidinger and Styles, DDS, Elite Sporting Goods, Pinnacle Power Butter. Please become a patron if you can. Patreon.com slash Everything Fast Pitch. There's three different levels of support. And as we continue to have this conversation, we desperately need more people to become patrons. So if you're in a position where you can, please commit to helping to keep us alive. Because every we little keep bit helps. Yeah. yeah. As we said, you know, the six or seven weeks in a row where we had a, you know, another couple of uh, patrons every week was part of what put off the discussion about how much longer can we keep doing this. So we need to make sure that we get as, as many more patrons on board as we possibly can. As always, please make sure you check out the fastpitchprep.com website. It's where you're going to order your Square Cuts training discs have access to the YouTube channel that we talked about several times in the podcast today, and also uh, 700 plus blogs. Uh, the 15th commandment is now being published. Um, I think it's made for some interesting reading and especially for uh, recruiting age kids and families. I think it'd be a really fun read. So reach out to us at everything fastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com. So for coach Don McKinley, producer San Lewis, this is coach Tori saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.